This is Bold Dominion, an explainer for state politics in a changing Virginia. I'm Nathan Moore. Didn't we just have an election? The one where Donald Trump lost and his supporters stormed the Capitol? Yeah, that happened just three months ago. But here in Virginia, we hold off-year elections to elect our state officials, meaning that we're now electing a governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general this November, as well as all the House of Delegates seats. It also means that party primaries for these races take place this June, and early absentee voting actually starts next Saturday, April 24th. Egads! Obviously the biggest race on that ticket is governor. Governor Ralph Northam can't run for re-election, since Virginia's constitution limits governors to just one consecutive term. That means there's an open field of candidates. Five Democrats, seven Republicans, and two Independents have declared their candidacy. Now, odds are good that the Democratic nominee will secure the election. No guarantees, of course, but Virginia has been trending blue for a while now. Republicans haven't been able to win a statewide office in 12 years. So here on Bold Dominion, we're bringing you the voices of these Democratic candidates for governor. In the last episode, we talked with Jennifer Carol Foy and Lee Carter. You can go look that up at bolddominion.org. In this episode, we're talking with the other three. We asked each one some questions about bread and butter pocketbook issues. What makes you the right person for the job? What are your top priorities to help working Virginians to get them a living wage and affordable health care? And how do you plan to win the election and then actually get things done once in office? This last time, as you know, when I was in office, I had an extreme right-wing legislature. We had the most anti-gay, anti-women, anti-environment, pro-gun legislation in America. I stopped all that, and I shut the Republicans down on all of their horrible social agenda. Now we have a Democratic governor, we have a Senate, and we have the House of Delegates. You know, I don't see people standing in the way. I'm excited about this. That's former Governor Terry McAuliffe. We'll hear more from him later in the episode. Along with State Senator Jennifer McClellan and Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, McAuliffe rounds out the last three Democrats trying to win the nomination. To start things off, we sit down with Jennifer McClellan, a state senator representing Virginia's 9th District. She spoke with Bold Dominion producer Rachel Liesendahl about what Virginia needs and why she's the best person for the job. Well, Virginia really needs and wants right now a governor that brings a new perspective, but also has the experience to get things done on day one. So I bring this perspective of a Black woman whose parents uh, lived through the tyranny of Jim Crow, but also through the Great Depression, the last time government had to use the full weight of its force to navigate through a crisis. Um, But I also have led on many transformative issues over the past 16 sessions in the General Assembly, especially since Democrats took the majority. So today I'd love to talk about some economic issues for working people in Virginia. What pocketbook issues are your top priority? Really to reform, uh, rebuild our economy and our healthcare and economic safety nets in a way that leave no Virginian behind. It's not gonna be a one size fits all recovery. It's one that has to center the, the care economy and the care workforce because we have seen how essential they are. But before COVID, we weren't investing in them as we should have been. And now we see that you know so many people don't have access to childcare. That was a problem before COVID. It's been made worse and it's keeping them from returning to work. So really digging in to center and stabilize our small businesses and our workers to get them back on their feet and then help them grow as we come out of the crisis. 
So turning to another pressing issue, as governor, how will you get quality, affordable health care to all Virginians? Excellent question. So two ways. I mean, first, there's the insurance gap um, and, and continuing to close the insurance gap by continuing to expand Medicaid, not just to the number of people, but the services that are provided, making sure we cover dental and vision that for pregnant women, you're covered the first full year after birth, that we're paying Medicaid reimbursement rates that more people will now take Medicaid, implementing the state-based health exchange to continue to close that gap. And then really working to make sure we are, we are having quality providers in every corner of the Commonwealth. We've got many communities that have to drive three, four hours just to you know, go to a hospital that has a maternity ward, um, addressing disparities in the provision of healthcare, and then rebuilding our healthcare safety nets so that the next time we have a crisis, we're ready for it. All right, excellent. So touching back on some economic issues, as governor, how will you ensure that all Virginians receive a living wage? So first, we've got to continue getting to $15 an hour minimum wage as quickly as possible, accelerating it, um, and was proud to carry to, to, to support that bill. But we've also got to continue removing exemptions to the minimum wage. And I was proud to carry bills that removed exemptions for domestic workers, home care workers. Now we've got to also include farm workers, um, and then really working to make sure that those workers who are misclassified as independent contractors um, or who have wage theft, that we are enforcing laws we put in place over the past year to help fight those, making sure our attorney general's office has the resources it needs to investigate and hold people accountable for wage theft and misclassification of workers. Now, assuming you're elected what political players do you foresee as potentially working against your economic priorities and how will you overcome them? Um, you know, Republicans seem to fight a lot of things that I've been working on, but I spent 14 years in the minority where I had to work with them to get anything done. And the first step is finding common ground and starting from there, but then building the grassroots support, making sure that you are centering the people and their needs and their perspectives and that I'm I'm not just creating a seat at the table for them, but taking the table out into our communities, because sometimes hearing directly from the people how government policies impact them is more effective than anything that I can say. And then making sure that our business and workers are talking to each other and not past each other. You know, business and workers is a symbiotic relationship. Too often we pit them against each other, but we've got to bring them to the table and say, look, here are the problems we're trying to solve. Let's do it in a way where we're listening and focusing on the needs of both and uplifting both. Now for our final question, I'd love to talk a little bit about your campaign strategy. Former Governor Terry McAuliffe is up in some early polls and his campaign is fairly well resourced. Despite these things, how will you win the election? Well, the polls are also showing that over 50% of primary voters are undecided because they want something different. They want someone with that new perspective who will get things done. And so my strategy is to talk directly to the voters about my vision, my experience, and why I'm the right candidate. We have a very robust field program that has been knocking on doors and calling voters since mid-February, highlighting the work, but also highlighting the, the issues that I will focus on that people want government to help them get back on their feet and help recover through this pandemic. And I'm focusing not just on the people who usually vote in primaries, but there are lots of voters who vote in the general election 
but would vote in this primary if they knew what, you know, that there was one and, and who the candidates are. So really focusing on leaving no part of Virginia and no voter behind. Jennifer McClellan is a state senator representing Virginia's 9th District. Stay with us. In the second part of this episode, we talk with Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax and former Governor Terry McAuliffe about their campaigns. You're listening to Bold Dominion, a state politics explainer for a changing Virginia. Visit us online at bolddominion.org. Have a friend who's trying to figure out Virginia state politics? Well, tell them about this show. And these two episodes featuring gubernatorial candidates are awfully easy to share on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or uh, I guess TikTok if you really wanted to. But be sure to subscribe to Bold Dominion in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are served up. And while you're there, hey, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. All right, three down, two to go. The next candidate for governor is Justin Fairfax. He's the current lieutenant governor of Virginia, and he spoke with Bold Dominion producer Dave Hunt about the work he's done in that role and the work he plans to do if elected. We focused on a powerful message of creating more justice, fairness, and opportunity throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and also making sure that we are lifting people up and allowing them to uh, not only survive this COVID-19 pandemic, but to thrive on the other end of it. Uh, We have some tremendous uh, inequalities in our society, some tremendous challenges that everyday Virginians are facing. And we have put forward uh, a series of plans to make sure that we are addressing uh, those inequalities that have existed uh, and focusing on the areas of education, housing, healthcare, criminal justice reform, And in my role as lieutenant governor, I fought for more opportunity for Virginians and to break down so many of the barriers, including the barriers around racial oppression that have existed in Virginia and in our nation uh, for centuries. Within about a week and a half of my taking office as lieutenant governor, I protested the honoring of Confederate generals in the Senate of Virginia, a tradition that had been carried on for nearly 150 years. And I'm proud to say that uh, in part as a result of that protest and uh, the people rallying behind a new vision uh, for our Commonwealth, uh, the Senate has broken that 150-year-old tradition and no longer honors those Confederate generals and a signal that we are going to go in a new, forward-looking and inclusive direction in Virginia. And so it's that record, it's that vision, it's that courage to fight for all Virginians that I believe makes me the best choice uh, to be the next governor of the Commonwealth. When it comes to economics, what issues are high on your list of priorities? We have got to make sure that we're creating more uh, economic security and opportunity for uh, every single Virginian, particularly those uh, at the margins who are struggling before the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, are particularly struggling now uh, in the midst of this uh, healthcare and economic crisis. And so some of the issues that we have championed are we need to raise the minimum wage Uh, here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, It's something that I've fought for as Lieutenant Governor. Uh, We also need to make sure that people have access to uh, high quality healthcare. We've got to create uh, an opportunity uh, for those Virginians who don't qualify for Medicaid to receive subsidies to allow them and their children and their families to access high quality healthcare. Uh, We also need to make sure that there's adequate childcare uh, and to create family and medical leave 
Uh, in addition, something that's critical is a more affordable housing uh, for all Virginians. And as Lieutenant Governor, I have taken on the evictions crisis uh, that exists here in Virginia. When I came into office, uh, there was a report that said that, that of the top 10 evicting jurisdictions in the entire United States of America, five of them are in Virginia, with Richmond being number two. And so we sprang into action, held a series of statewide roundtables with stakeholders, and we got results. And we believe that there's so much more that we can do. We know that we can help first-time home buyers, making sure that they have access to capital and the proper incentives to be able to uh, begin their journey as homeowners. For those who are renting uh, in our communities to uh, give them more safeguards, we also need to make sure that in the midst of this pandemic, uh, we are uh, extending the moratorium on evictions and also allowing people to be able to afford their utilities and the necessities of life as they get back on their feet uh, and get resituated. And so these are some of uh, the issues, again, that families are facing every single day around the kitchen table and that we have championed, uh, focused on, and will continue to work on to make sure uh, that every Virginian has that opportunity to have more economic security uh, for their family. You mentioned making sure that quality, affordable health care was, was possible for all Virginians. Can you elaborate on you know, how you will make that a reality? First of all, we know that there are a large number of Virginians who today are uninsured. We want to work with the uh, SCHIP program, uh, federal state partnership, uh, to make sure that we are getting uh, all the children that we possibly can uh, enrolled in that program. Again, providing subsidies for families that fall outside of the uh, Medicaid expansion income uh, limits. Uh, we know that about 138% uh, of the federal poverty level is where currently people are eligible under Medicaid expansion. And for those who fall outside of that, uh, it is still difficult for many of them to afford health insurance. So we want to provide state subsidies to allow people to buy in on the state exchange to health insurance at an affordable rate uh, to make that more accessible to their families and pooling a higher risk uh, Virginians to make sure that we have opportunities to lower the costs uh, for them to be able to acquire health insurance. And there are reinsurance programs uh, also that allow us to drive down healthcare costs and uh, deal with issues around the affordability of prescription drugs and uh, life-saving medications that people need uh, in our communities. And so uh, there are a variety of tools at our disposal, but the focus has got to continue to be on making sure that we are driving toward covering every Virginian with affordable, high-quality health insurance, partnering with the federal government, using state uh, and local resources to do that, uh, because we know that having access to that health insurance is a critical feature and whether or not people and their families can have the security that we know they need uh, to be able to move forward. You also mentioned ensuring that a living wage was a reality for all Virginians. Uh, will you tell me what steps you'll take to make, make that a reality? Currently, you know, we are on pace to get $13 an hour in the next several years. I believe we can uh, accelerate that uh, and instead get to $15 an hour in the next several years. And also, to be able to uh, index the minimum wage here in Virginia to inflation and to cost of living as the price of goods and the price of a family's uh, ability to live in various parts of our Commonwealth uh, rises, uh, so too does their income uh, and their ability to uh, meet the needs uh, that their family has. Now, in Virginia politics, what forces are working in opposition to these priorities? I think part of it uh, is apathy. 
Part of it is the fact that we you know, really need to have people who understand these crises and these experiences uh, from a personal perspective who know that, like myself, uh, having been you know, raised primarily by a single mother, the youngest of four, that the ability for my mom to be able to make enough money to purchase a home that we could grow up in and that she still lives in uh, some 30 years later, to afford to provide health care for her children and to get us a high quality education. There are so many Virginians, millions, who are facing exactly the same challenges. And, and so uh, we need uh, people who understand the sense of urgency, who uh, have lived through these types of experiences and know that they are ones that drive you to really know that other Virginians are counting on you. Terry McAuliffe is up in some early polling. His campaign has a pile of money and he was recently endorsed uh, by Governor Northam. How will you ensure that your campaign stays competitive and how will you win this election? We're going to continue to focus on reaching out to the people. Uh, that's always been the source of our success in politics. Uh, I've run uh, three statewide races here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We've gotten at least 48% of the vote in each one of those races. And we you know, didn't always have the most money uh, in those elections. But what we did have uh, was the support of the people and a bold, courageous uh, set of policies and a vision uh, that really resonated uh, with everyday Virginians and address the concerns that they're facing. We know that the you know, polls uh, go up and down and, and we don't uh, you know, focus on those so much, although you know, each of the polls that we've seen is, uh, have had us in a you know, uh, position of second place and uh, in a strong position to be able to uh, continue to build on the support that, we, that we've started with. But the uh, people have always been there for us at the ballot box. Uh, that's because of the outreach that we've done, the connections that we have made with them uh, in communities on the ground uh, and in grassroots circles uh, for many years here in Virginia. And having stuck with them, having stood up with and for them uh, is something that people remember. And that's uh, what we're going to continue to do uh, as we focus uh, on closing out this election. Justin Fairfax is the current lieutenant governor of Virginia. Stick with us for a second quick break. We'll be back with the last Democratic candidate for governor, former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Bold Dominion is a member of the Virginia Audio Collective, online at virginiaaudio.org. And I highly recommend checking out all the podcasts from our collective, and usually I'd plug one right now, but I also want to give a plug for Transition Virginia. It's not one of the podcasts in our collective, but hosts Michael Pope and Thomas Bowman are friends of Bull Dominion, and they recently broke down all the Democratic candidates running for lieutenant governor in Virginia. There's actually more of those than running for governor. You can find it online at transitionva.com. Well, rounding out the pack of Democratic nominees for governor of Virginia is Terry McAuliffe. He was governor just before Ralph Northam, so he's had the job before, and he wants a second crack at it. While Virginia's constitution prohibits governors from holding a second consecutive term, they can be re-elected with a gap in between. And it's happened before. About once a century, it turns out. The last time was Mills Godwin, who was elected as a Democrat in 1966 and then again as a Republican in 1974. Anyway, this time around, I asked McAuliffe why he's the best person for the job. Listen, I'm running Nathan on a big, bold plan. Take Virginia to the next level. I have always said... We cannot tinker around the edges. I'm very concerned with COVID. If you remember last time I took office, I inherited the largest deficit in the history of the state, left the biggest surplus four years later. 
most jobs ever created, 200,000 new jobs, and personal income went up 14%. Now we've got COVID. It's going to be with us. It's been devastating to families, and we need to rebuild. That's why I'm calling for a big, bold plan, the largest investment ever in education, $2 billion a year. I'm calling for the $15 minimum wage to be brought up at the beginning of 2024. I'm calling that we need to here have hazard pay, sick pay. We need collective bargaining. We need to lift everyone up. And that's why I think, Nathan, you've seen such a huge coalition of folks endorsing my candidacy, more so than you know anyone else, the members of the General Assembly. Why? We did it before, and we need to go big again. And that's why I'm running. I want to tease out some of these uh, issues that are part of your big, bold plan. What, what pocketbook issues are your top priority for working people in Virginia? Well, I think I start out the first most important thing, Nathan, is we've got to finally address the issues, the disparities that we've had in our economy. We need to lift everybody up. This economy in America has not worked for so many families for 40 or 50 years. As bad as COVID has been, it does give us an opportunity now to build an economy that is equitable, lifts everyone up. So that's why I talk about the big issues on on minimum wage, sick pay, hazard pay, uh, collective bargaining being able to be done. But the one big issue I wanna lean in on is education. We have to build a world-class equitable education system. The disparities we have are too great. Nathan, if you take average Virginia pay and compare it to our average teacher pay, Virginia ranks 50th out of 50 states. Now think about what I just said. We are the ninth wealthiest state in the United States of America, and yet we're 50th out of 50 states. We're even behind the District of Columbia. We're actually, you know, 51. Think of that. So I'm calling for the biggest investment ever to raise teacher pay above the national average for the first time in Virginia history. I'm calling for 40,000 at-risk three and four-year-olds to finally get access to pre-K. I'm calling for every single child in Virginia to have access to broadband. Today, we have 14% of our children uh, don't have access. And how is that fair during COVID when people are online learning and many of our students can't online learn? I've also called for diversifying our educator base when 50% of our students in K-12 are students of color and yet over 80% of our teachers are white. So I've called for a Lucy Sim scholarship. If you'll work for five years in a high demand area and teach, guess what? We'll pay your room board and tuition. Terry McAuliffe, I appreciate you uh, sharing some of the education plans. I wanna talk a little bit about healthcare as well. Um, as governor, how will you get quality affordable healthcare to all Virginians? Uh, great question, very important because we have about today 700,000 Virginians without access to healthcare. What I'm calling for, first of all, is working with uh, our new president, Joe Biden. Virginia finally getting the Section 1332 waiver, which will allow us to stand up our own reinsurance program here in Virginia. That would help tremendously. Number two, I'm talking about us standing up our own state exchange so that we can do federal and state subsidies into it so we can get more people included and we can bring everybody's premiums down. I'm also talking about a very aggressive, probably the most aggressive plan in the country on prescription drugs. The prices have gone up exorbitantly. I mean, you think of someone with diabetes, insulin, you know, insulin used to be $5, now it's $350. So we need to hold these uh, pharmaceutical companies accountable. Uh, I talk about a uh, really a sunshine uh, law that we have in place to make sure 
that, you know, as I say, the sunlight is on these costs and what they are. And we need to move ahead on the telehealth. We need to do a much better job here. But the biggest things, Nathan, working with Joe Biden, my buddy of 40 years, and getting that 1332 waiver, standing up our own state exchange, I think we can get every Virginian quality health care. So as governor, uh, so you mentioned uh, raising the minimum wage in the state to $15 an hour over the next three years or so. Um, no, how- I'm calling for it, Nathan, by 2024. Because right now they have it later. I'm just saying accelerate it up. Gotcha, gotcha. As governor, how will you ensure that all Virginians can earn a living wage? Well, first of all, if you pass these laws, everybody, I mean, it will be the law of the Commonwealth of Virginia. We've joined these other states. If we do this, raise to get the minimum wage up to $15. And as I say, the paid sick pays, hazard pay, uh, we can get this done. We have a Democratic legislature. As you know, as I say, I created the most jobs of any governor in the history of the state. When I talk about jobs, Nathan, when I say job, that's a good paying job with good wages and good benefits. As I say, you know, personal income went up 14% the last time I was governor. We need to do more also on childcare because what this pandemic has shown us and it's really affected the black and brown communities, we need to make sure that we have people can afford childcare. Our costs here in Virginia have gone up exponentially. So I think if we can take care of those core big issues for us, we can get everybody a nice living wage here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So here's a, kind of the, the rubber hitting the road question. What political players use their power against these economic priorities? And how are you going to overcome them? Well, I think we're in a different place today because we have a Democratic legislature. So this last time, as you know, when I was in office, I had an extreme right-wing legislature. When I took office, we had the most anti-gay, anti-women, anti-environment, pro-gun legislation in America. Uh, If you think before I took office, Virginia had passed the transvaginal bill. They'd had the trap laws to shut our 16 women's reproductive clinics down. I stopped all that. I had the most vetoes of any governor in the history of the state, 120. I never lost one, 120 to zero. And I shut the Republicans down on all of their horrible social agenda. And today we're a state that's open and welcoming. Now we have a Democratic governor, we have a Senate, and we have the House of Delegates There's, you know, I don't see people standing in the way. I'm excited about this. And listen, I have an ability of getting people to work together. This year, when there was a problem on the hazard pay and the retroactivity, you know, the COVID precautions, you know, several legislators, Jay Jones, Chris Hurst, actually called me up and said, I need help in the Senate. So I called the Senate leader and was able to negotiate that out and get that done. When the marijuana legislation was falling apart at the end, they called me. I got to work, called a bunch of Democratic senators on that Friday night. So You know, I'm always leaning in, uh, working with our Democrats. I'm very confident that we can get all this done. Certainly, opposition from the Republicans is a real thing. Uh, And I think you're right to point out that the the Democratic legislatures have passed a lot on making the state open welcoming and felon reenfranchisement and all the rest. I've noticed as an, an observer media guy here that on economic issues, Democrats have tended to be pretty split. You've still got some that would kind of balk at some of the things you've said. How are you going to wrangle the the party? I don't think, Nathan, the idea uh, that we've got to lift everyone up because how damaging and devastating COVID has been to Virginia families. And COVID's not going away for a long time. We are going to, I mean, you think here in Virginia, we've 180,000 Virginians have lost their job since COVID started. Many of the jobs, Nathan, that have been lost, many of them are not coming back. So we have to create a whole new economy here. So 
I was able to get this done with an extreme right-wing legislature. I am very confident I will be able to get these done with a Democratic legislature. I mean, last time I was governor, thousands and thousands of children got access to pre-K. Thousands and thousands of Virginians got access to health care they didn't have. I got you know, low-income pregnant women, uh, dental care for the first time in their lives. So I was able to get a lot of this done, even with an extreme legislature, with a Democratic legislature, Nathan. I mean, we're going to take off like a booster rocket. It's going to be exciting what's going to happen here in Virginia. I promise you that. Terry McAuliffe is the former governor of Virginia. Thanks to him, State Senator Jennifer McClellan, and Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax for joining us this week. My name's Nathan Moore, and I'm the host of Bold Dominion. Big thanks, as always, to our producer, Arian Balu. And thanks also to our assistant producers, Rachel Liesendahl and David Hunt. Find this show online at bolddominion.org. Really, go ahead and subscribe. It's just a click away. Hey, we're always on the lookout for topics for future episodes. Send your ideas to our email address, bolddominion at virginia.edu. That's bolddominion at virginia.edu. You can also direct messages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so on. Hope you all can get vaccinated soon, and I'll talk with you again in two weeks.